Good morning, everybody. I'm glad to see you here. Um, I don't know if you guys trust me with this thing right here. The last time I talked to you, I used the music stand with my computer on it, and in the course of my very important moment and point, I knocked the computer off on the floor. But today, I brought my notes. I don't know if you can take somebody seriously who has a Star Wars thing, but it's always a good thing. Welcome. I'm glad you're here. Welcome here to those of you in the room. Welcome to those of you guys who are online. We're always glad that we have these options to be together. I'm Sharm Robarts. I'm here for Tom McDermott, Reverend Tom McDermott. He's away in Michigan with his wife, Linda, where it is no doubt cooler. And we are not jealous much, but <laughs> we are missing you, Tom, and we will look forward to you getting back. Today, I hope you'll remember to uh, register your attendance. Um, there's a card, there's a QR code. There's also some interesting announcements in your bulletin that you might want to pay attention to. So, hey, today we are going to talk about figuring out what matters most. And the emphasis is on, you know, figuring it out. It's important to try to think about what shape good will take in any given moment. And what I mean by that is, you know, figuring out what's the right thing to do is um, not legalistic, it's contextual. What's wise here might not be wise over there, right? And so it is the course of wisdom to be figuring that out, and we will need some humility. We will need some grace for ourselves and for others, and we'll also need some attentiveness. So that's part of the idea of where we're going today. I really don't think that it takes a lot of figuring for us to agree that what matters most is our relationships. If we took a vote of what matters most, I bet we would all say it's our relationships, right? And so therefore, paying attention to those, tending to them is, should be top priority. Uh, whether we're talking about those intimate relationships, our casual relationships, people we run into in the store, or our civic and communal relationships. Our very existence depends on the health of those relationships with, us, with others. Excuse me. And so it makes sense to me that what wisdom is, is figuring out how to navigate the waters of our life together. Well, um, success now on that is going to require that we keep perspective on the rush of time, on our uh, imperatives of work, on our own sometimes selfish needs and desires, and we'll have to keep perspective on what it is other people think we ought to think. All of that presses in on us and, you know, it can kind of get in the way of making sure that what matters most is getting the most attention. So, today's music is going to carry a lot of the weight of the message, especially as we pay attention to relationships. Um, the part we play in relationships, the value of those relationships, um, the time we've been given to spend in those relationships. And so, in many ways, today's service is to state the obvious, but I'm not really embarrassed about that. Because a wise person told me one time, many, many years ago, we have to state the obvious sometimes, because in the press of life, in the stress of life, 
in all the mess and missteps of life, what is obvious can just go right past us. So let's begin now. Time to 
The welcoming candle is lighted, and we'll now say what we say every Sunday. Come, come, whoever you are, wanderer, worshiper, lover of leaving, it does not matter. Come, even if you're broken... Come, yet again. Folks, can I just find out, if people here in the room, does anybody feel the need to have to name their vehicle? Dude, if y'all name your cars, thank you, Austin. Come on, be, this is a safe space. Thank you, people. I'm one of those goofy people that names my car, and my wife, Lisa, thinks it's absurd, so I name her car for her. And I like to name our cars since we're a couple, the cars are going to be a famous couple. And I think it's even more ironic and funny that if they're like an outlaw couple, because we drive minivans and plain little cars. So for the longest time, I drove Clyde and she drove Bonnie. And I'd say, let's go get Bonnie or get in Bonnie. She was like, there's no Bonnie. <laughs> Recently, I bought a new van, which means I need to rename my van and I'm gonna rename her old car. It's not Bonnie anymore. And I took it a step further. A famous couple, outlaws, and they're gonna be musicians this time. So, yeah. So I drive Waylon Jennings, and she drives Jesse Coulter. These are the finest cars you're gonna see anywhere. We're in the van, me, my wife Lisa, and the four kids having this big, stupid discussion. And the kids are like, who's Jesse Coulter? You know, they don't know any of her songs. And so I pull up Spotify, and you hit Jesse Coulter, and what's the number one most famous Jesse Coulter song that comes on? I'm not Lisa. <laughs> Joke's on me. Okay, would y'all please stand? And I'd like for y'all to sing this song with us. It's a precious song, and I know you're all going to know it. It's also time to bring your offering to the table. Friends in me. Play it, boys. 
got a friend in me. You got a friend in me. Yeah. You got troubles. I got them too. There isn't anything I want to do for you. We stick together and we see it through. You got a friend in me. Some other folks may be a little smarter than I am, bigger and stronger too. But none of them will ever love you the way I do. It's me and you all, and as the years go by, our friendship will never die. You're gonna see it's our destiny. You got a friend in me. One more time. You got a friend in me. One more time. You got a friend in me. Come on now. Who does that at church? That's awesome, man. Come on. Would y'all please take a moment now and offer one another a sign of peace, please?
story before I do this. I have a 32-year-old son. I also have an almost 50-year-old son. But my 32-year-old son, his favorite movie in the whole world was Buzz Lightyear. And when, when you sang this this morning, or when we sang it, I thought to myself, and my son is not a churchgoer, and I thought, I'm sending him this, and I'm going to say, this is what we sing in church. <laughs> so, here's to you, John. Um, our scripture reading in the uh, thing that you got, sorry, my words are leaving me, it says it's from Luke, and when I started reading Luke 7, 24, 27 in the Bible, it didn't fit this. And so I did a little research, and it's actually Matthew. This is from Matthew 7, 24 through 27. <clears throat> Jesus said, These words I speak to you are not incidental additions to life, homeowner improvements to your standard of living. They are foundational words, words to build a life on. If you work these words into your life, you're like a smart carpenter who built his house on a rock. Rain poured down, the river flooded, a tornado hit, but nothing moved that house. It was fixed to the rock. But if you just use my words in Bible studies and don't work them into your daily life, you're like a stupid carpenter who <laughs> built his house on the sandy beach. And when the storm rolled in and the waves came up, it collapsed like a house of cards. And our second reading is from Ecclesiastes. Uh, chapter 7, verse 10, from the message. And these words are, Never ask, oh, why were things so much better in the old days? <laughs> it's not an intelligent question. <laughs> we're pleased to have Lisa Stovall with us this Sunday. She's going to sing this next song. Thank you. Um, if you go way back with us, you'll probably recognize it. We encourage you to sing along if you'd like while you're seated. And at the end of the song, we're just gonna have a few moments of silence. So don't panic, nothing's wrong. Just move into the silence with us and we'll, we'll see where we go from there. Just a spirit tired of wandering Like a stranger in this land Walking white light through this world Is the only way I've known Wrapped in hope and good intentions Bare to the bone There is nothing I won't show you There's nothing I can hide I've risked it all and dreamt it all and seldom questions why. You took me in when I was hungry, when my spirit ached and groaned, laid wide open and defenseless, bare to the bone. When I rise, I rise. 
footprints and we'll leave without a trace between here and now and forever is such precious little time as what we do in love and kindness is all we'll ever leave behind when the light's slowly fading and my eyes are softly waning when the evening sun is setting the world is barely breathing then your voice will gently call me and your hand will lead me home like a newborn ordinate bare to the bone when i rise i rise in glory by grace time will wash away the footprints and we'll leave without a trace between here and now and forever is such precious little time because what we do in love and kindness is all we'll ever leave behind Here I stand with empty hands, just a spirit tired of wandering, like a stranger in this land. Walking wide-eyed through this world is the only way I've known, wrapped in hope and good intention, bare to the bone. Wrapped in hope and good intentions, bare to the bone. You ran. Thank you so much for leading us in that time of reflection on that important idea. <clears throat> well, I have to tell you that my preparation for this message um, was interrupted this week by the news that a dear friend of mine has been told that she should consider hospice. About two years ago, she received a diagnosis of cancer. She has 
outrun the odds by more than a year, but the time now has come to think about quality of life or more treatment. And that news was not surprising to her or to me or those of us who love her so much, but it still stopped me in my tracks. Still difficult, still sad. And you know, I had already decided what today's message would be. I have to admit, I feel some urgency about it now. I had already decided that today we would talk about this idea of just figuring out what matters most and that I would pull out the threads of obviously our relationships and also our perspective on time. I had already picked all the music. Brad had said yes. I had already picked that quote that's on the back of your bulletin by Leonard Cohen. Take a look at that quote. So lightly we are here. In love we are made. In love we will disappear. I don't know what to say about the serendipitous nature of all that I've just told you except to say that there is a transcendence. There are many mysteries that remind us that we are not alone in our living or our dying. Well, let's take a look at that scripture that Sandra read. Thank you for doing that, Sandra. Um, you guys are no doubt familiar with that little story that Jesus told, you know, about the wise builders. So uh, when I was a kid, we would sing that song, and I bet a lot of you know the song, The Wise Man, and it was always a man, never a woman. It was the 60s, and so the wise man built his house on the rock, and the rains came, and the floods rose, and, and, and beat upon the house, and the wise man's house stood firm. And then there was the foolish man, and never a woman. <laughs> the foolish one built a house on the sand and the rains came and the floods went up and the winds blew and beat upon the house and the foolish man's house went splat. And we were so exuberant as kids about the splat and we didn't want to do it in unison because we wanted a lot of splatting and we wanted to sing it again and we wanted to be loud about it. Well, I get that. When we're teaching children, we've got to have fun. We've got to be memorable. We've got to, you know, be a little bit concrete. But as adults, that exuberance about the splat is not very Jesus-y, is it? <laughs> I mean, really, a further reflection on Jesus' teaching with would have a, another idea. Yeah, but it isn't it easy to want people to get what's coming to them. Unless, of course, it's us. <laughs> well, here's the thing. The storms are coming, and sometimes we are the ones stirring the water, making our own trouble. The wise question is, what about rebuilding? <laughs> Who's going to come alongside and help rebuild and rehab and restart? One of my favorite quotes in the world is in a little book that a friend of mine in Australia gave me. I like to throw in Australia because I'm so excited that I've ever been there. 
but she gave me this book and it, there's a quote that says, our best friends in the world are those who, when we have made a fool of ourselves, tell us we haven't done permanent damage. <laughs> That's great, isn't it? Now, Jesus prefaced that little story by saying that people who hear these words of mine are like the wise person. And um, we might wanna ask ourselves, and just what were those words? Where well, there were many things like don't judge, be merciful, give expecting nothing in return, love your enemies, pray for those who use you. These are words of life. And no doubt to whatever degree we live into those, we will be wise and our lives will, will be, have a good bit of firmness anyway. But who in the world does any of that perfectly, right? So the good news is the story is a parable. It is not the final word. And so if the house comes tumbling down, that's not it. That's not all. I'm always really sorry to hear from people who have church experiences where they were told or it was implied or they heard that mistakes, missteps, failures are something to be condemned like a house ruined in a storm. I'm always sad to hear that because I think a wise way to hear this parable is yeah, pay attention to the warnings, but then get busy in the reconstruction business. They're always hiring. <laughs> That's a wise way to think about what Jesus was saying. And of course, it has everything to do with relationships, right? And it has everything to do with um, what we do with our time. And so let's go on to that. Uh, maybe uh, the wisdom of you know, how we use our time is not the first place to start. Maybe we should think about our perspective on time. There's an area of study in psychology called the time perspective theory. It's pretty simple. It deals with how we view past, present, and future, and how these views affect our decision-making. None of these views are you know, constant. We usually move around in them. But briefly, they are. The, the um, present immediate perspective on time is, I want the cake. I'm gonna eat the cake. It smells good, it looks good, and after all, it's your birthday, I'm gonna eat the cake. Uh, or the pie, Dan, or the pie. Dan has a little poetry book called Eat the Pie. <laughs> I was so glad to see you. Um, so that's, that's the present, immediate perspective of time. Uh, the past perspective uh, sort of ignores the present and is all focused on the past, whether negative or positive. And the future perspective is all about future consequences. What will we gain? What will we lose? What will we risk with the decisions we're making? Now that's a pretty obvious breakdown of things, I think. But interestingly, we usually operate within these rather blindly. We just kind of go through doing whatever it is we do in whatever mindset we are in. And sometimes then that means we're, we're just acting to gain, to have some pleasure, eating the cake. We're acting to avoid disaster or we're acting to chart out some good course forward. But the point of time perspective theory is to identify any toxicity we may have in those perspectives. 
too much concern, for instance, for the present pleasures, obviously, ignores the lessons of the past, heedless of the consequences that may come. Too much concern on the past, whether longing for the good old days, like that uh, verse that Sandra read, longing for the good old days, or stuck in the past, negative, terrible things that have happened, so that we are robbed of the joys and opportunities of the present. And I know that um, you're tracking with me another negative uh, way of looking at the past is that we're so fearful of what might happen that we stay in the house with the umbrella up. And so, you know, that's, that these are extreme examples. Um, finally, extreme focus on the future. This is the toxicity pattern. It makes us workaholics. We're constantly reaching for our goals. We're constantly looking for achievement. Before we know it, there's a lot of ego involved. There's a lot of pressure of materialism. And all the time, it is to the neglect of what matters most. And so, I like that little theory. It's simple enough, but it sure is useful to think about. And so, any of these extreme mindsets control our lives. So, what is needed, of course is wisdom to recognize our extremes and to develop kind of an agility so that we are shifting our time perspectives fluidly according to the demands of the situation. As I thought about this, I thought about my own mindset and how that I tend to get rather concerned about the present current troubles, whether we're talking about economics or the weather, or whether we're talking about politics or any number of issues. There's people dying in the Tarrant County Jail when they shouldn't be. They're inmates and they're not being looked after. There's all kinds of things going on. And so I was thinking about my own focus on that and how it can feel helpless and hopeless. And I ran across New York Times writer Isaac Butler who said, when stuck in a seemingly untenable present, the best solution is to look backward and forward. Examining the past gives us new angles on the present and imagining a better future helps us envision how to get there. I find that pretty useful. So I'm asking you, what would it be like for you to take a little bit of time and just reflect on how it is you think about the time, past, present, and future? Maybe that'll be something good to do this week. It might come back to you. It's worth some mental energy, I think. All right. Well, we're going to go on now, and I want to um, continue this um, observation of wisdom, if you will, by looking at some poems by Mary Oliver. Mary Oliver was an American poet who died at age 83 back in 2019. She was uh, a winner of the National Book Award. She won a Pulitzer Prize. Her poetry is recognized as accessible, meaning it's easy to understand. You don't have to, you know, be fancy, as she said. Now, what's funny about that is some people in poetry circles uh, sort of looked down their noses at her. I, I guess that means that they think that a poetry has a poem has to be complicated or, or obtuse or something for it to be good. I'm imagining she laughed all the way to the bank <laughs> and to the re receiving of the Pulitzer Prize on that. 
Anyway, she, she has this uncanny ability to draw connections between nature and the spiritual world. And I think you're going to hear some echoes of Jesus in it. As I said, many of her poems focus on, on nature, birds, rivers, trees. And if you don't think you like that, listen to this great line. She mentioned that the pine trees never forget their recipe for renewal. Man, don't we all need to remember our recipe for renewal? She has great metaphors that describe so well the words, the, the ideas that, that hang around in our minds and that beg for words like the black river of loss. She asks really good questions like her famous poem, what is it you're going to do with your one wild and precious life? So I recommend Mary Oliver. Today I've chosen two poems to show you. One's kind of funny, contains a bit of wisdom. Xavier, let's go ahead and put up, I worried. Oh, the words are small. I worried, I worried a lot. Will the garden grow? Will the rivers flow in the right direction? Will the earth turn as it was taught? If not, shall I correct it? Was I right? Was I wrong? Will I be forgiven? Can I do better? Will I ever be able to sing? Even the sparrows can do it, and I, I am, well, hopeless. Is my eyesight fading, or am I just imagining it? Am I going to get rheumatism, lockjaw, dementia? Finally, I saw that worrying had come to nothing, and I gave it up, and I took my old body and went out into the morning and sang. And you remember Jesus saying, who of you by, by worrying can add a single inch to your height? Now, when I think about that verse that Jesus said, this has almost nothing to do with wisdom. <laughs> so I have a little brother. He's four years younger than me. I was always taller than him, which bothered him a lot. One day, he's about four or five years old. He has these bright blue eyes. He put on a toboggan and he must it up so it's really tall. And he looks at me and he says, it's my big mind. <laughs> but, you know, he still was not taller than me. And he couldn't have worried himself into it, that's for sure. All right, the next piece, not yet, Xavier, the next piece I'm going to do it requires a little interpreting. And um, the, the famous, uh, the poet laureate Billy Collins says we should not tie a poem to a chair and torture a meaning out of it. I'm trying not to do that, but I do want to do just a little bit of uh, interpreting here. And there's a couple of things that stand out to me, and this poem is a bit more poignant than the last one. I hope you find more than a couple of things. I've taught this in the classroom before, and so much discussion came from it. I wish we had time to do that today. But what's going on is that the poem is telling a story about another, about a fellow human being. We see that the narrator sets out to write a poem, but then mundane life interrupts her. And we get a moving example of how Mary Oliver can recognize the interplay of struggle and beauty. 
struggle and beauty. Think about the tension of that. And she moves us toward a lesson in common humanity. So, okay, um, and I'm gonna read this to you, um, though you can read. In Singapore, in the airport, a darkness was ripped from my eyes. In the women's restroom, one compartment stood open. A woman knelt there, washing something in the white bowl. Disgust argued in my stomach and I felt in my pocket for my ticket. A poem should always have birds in it. Kingfishers say, <laughs> with their bold eyes and their gaudy wings, rivers are pleasant. And of course trees, a waterfall, or if that's not possible, a fountain rising and falling. A person wants to stand in a happy place in a poem. When the woman turned, I could not answer her face. Her beauty and her embarrassment struggled together and neither could win. She smiled and I smiled. What kind of nonsense is this? Everybody needs a job. Yes, a person wants to stand in a happy place in a poem. But first, we must watch her as she stares down at her labor, which is dull enough. She is washing the tops of the airport ashtrays, as big as hubcaps, with a blue rag. Her small hands turn the metal, scrubbing and rinsing. She does not work slowly nor quickly, but like a river. Her dark hair is like the wing of a bird, and I don't doubt for a moment that she loves her life. And I want her to rise up from the crust and the slop and fly down to the river. <laughs> this probably won't happen. But maybe it will. If the world were only pain and logic, who would want it? Of course, it's, it isn't. Neither do I mean anything miraculous, but only the light that can shine out of a life. I mean the way she folded, unfolded and refolded the blue cloth. The way her smile was just for my sake. I mean, the way this poem is filled with trees and birds. I hear Jesus talking to us in that one. It's interesting to me that the narrator sees what she sees and the perspectives and the assumptions that she brings to it create this tension. She really doesn't want to look upon what this woman is doing, what she must do. She argues back and forth between what she thinks she sees and what she intended to write about. And then, of course, she becomes captivated by something she puts into words about the woman's hair and the gentle movement of her work. This poem speaks to me about what matters most. It speaks to me about the various neighbors that we 
have been given to love, to appreciate, and to really see. Maybe, maybe we get there by noticing those people. And band, you guys can come on up now. You know, what matters most is our relationships, even those casual ones, even those people that we see and make certain judgments about. All of that drives what we do in the world. And so maybe these neighbors that we've been given to love, maybe we get close to them by imagining what are their lives like, by noticing them, by thinking about how much alike we all really are. So I want to close with one more word, and Xavier, if you'd put this up. This is another of her great poems, very short, and it speaks, I think, of the other poem that we just observed with her. Instructions for living. Pay attention, be astonished, and tell about it. I wonder if these ideas could raise our awareness this week about what really matters the most. And think of you caught up in circles. Confusion is nothing new. Flashback, warm nights almost left behind. Suitcase of memories. Time after, sometimes you picture me. I'm walking too far ahead. You're calling to me. I can't hear what you have said. Then you say, go slow. And I fall behind. The second hand unwind. If you're lost, you can look and you will find me. Time after time. If you fall, I will catch you, I'll be waiting Time after time If you look, I can look and you will find me Time after time If you fall, I will catch you, I will be waiting Time after time And darkness has turned to gray Watching through windows You're wondering if I'm okay Secrets stolen from deep inside The drum beats out of time If you're lost, you can look and you will find me 
time after time. If you fall, I will catch you. I'll be waiting time after time. Then you say, go slow, and I fall behind. The second hand unwinds. If you're lost, you can look, and you will find me time after time. If you fall, I will catch you. I'll be waiting time after time. If you're lost, you can look, and you will find me time after time. If you fall, I will catch you. I will be waiting time after time, time after time, time after time, time after time. That's a good. Oh my goodness, what a great day of music we've had. Thank you guys. Thanks to all of you always and for you coming today. Thanks to all of you who set up things in the back and for those who hang around and help us clean it up and audio visual guys, we always thank you too. Appreciate it so much. Well, it's time to go, but we have a little bit of extra time, so you can hang around and figure out what matters most together, give each other some hugs, and get to know each other just a little bit more. Uh, here's my blessing for you this week. May you catch somebody if they're falling. May somebody catch you if you are falling. May you keep in mind the rush of time, the press of life, and how that works against what matters most. And, and um, May you be successful in your efforts against that. Peace be with you.